my wife and I have been a part of uh, Grace Chapel since Loveland. And uh, sometimes I, I think I've been in church a long time. In fact, I was reminded how long it was after I had spoken here one time. It was a couple of years ago I spoke, and after the service, a couple in the church brought their mom up to me. And the mom I recognized immediately, and she reached out and she hugs me and she says, I remember you in the nursery. She says, I was changing your diaper, now I'm listening to you preach. (laughs) So I've been in the church for a long time. And I've been a part of the church for a long time. And I'm not an expert on the church by any means. But I do know that the Bible says certain things about the church that makes it important or lovable. The series has been, I love my church. So this morning, if we take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 9 through verse 12, I think that we'll see two essentials of a church that's lovable, or something that makes the church worth loving and being a part of. Now, uh, let me preface what I'm going to say by the fact that I realize that the passage that we're talking about has a direct context to the church. But there is also application for our own lives and for our own selves as believers. So this morning, beginning in first, beginning in first Corinthians chapter three, verses nine through twelve, two essentials for a lovable church. Verse nine says this, for we are God's fellow workers, you're God's fields, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. The first essential in a lovable church is found in verse 11. And verse 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're kind of diving into the middle, but it gives us the first essential, and that is Christ is the foundation. Christ is the foundation. Uh, The story of the Corinthian church and how it started is found in Acts chapter 18. And in Acts chapter 18, one of the verses says that Paul was testifying to them that Jesus was the Christ. And then Paul, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he says to the Corinthian believers when he writes to them in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says to them, I knew nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He laid the foundation and the foundation was Jesus Christ. Uh, When it comes to the church or really your own life, you can't begin anywhere else. The foundation of our life is Jesus Christ because of the salvation, the person, the work of Christ brings salvation to us. So the foundation is essential. It's very important to have that that strong foundation, and Jesus Christ is that. There are some that try to build churches and lives on other things. Some try to build on a personality, a man, right? The Corinthians tried to do that. They said, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Peter. That's not the way to build. That's a, a, an add-on. That's not a foundational point. Some people try to build on a pet doctrine. And we've got, to, we've got to emphasize this. This is very important. I come out of a generation where election, predestination, the doctrines of grace were very big. And I could, I could count the number of friends that I have that have been in churches that have split over that pet doctrine. 
they try to build on a doctrine instead of the reality of Jesus Christ as the foundation. Others try to build the church on a program. Are any of you old enough to remember Promise Keepers? Promise Keepers, wonderful program. No doubt about it. Wonderful. But that's not how you build a church. That's how you build a, an outreach. It's how you build a ministry for men. It's not how you build a church. You build a church on a foundation. Now, there's nothing wrong with men. There's nothing wrong with doctrine. There's nothing wrong with a program. There's nothing wrong with those things. But those are add-ons. Instead, we have the foundation of Jesus Christ, and then we add those things onto them, right? Think of Grace Chapel. The foundation is Jesus Christ, and there have been added programs. There have been added people. There have been added truth. All a part of it. But when you really look at what Grace Chapel's about, it's the foundation that has been laid in Jesus Christ. Paul says that's what we have. Uh, the doctrine of Christ. What do you believe about Christ is the, the most important thing that can be taught in a church. The Christology that a church presents and shares. Uh, I, I, as I said to you, my wife and I, we've been at Grace Chapel since Loveland. We were there opening day. But before that, we, we were new to this area, and we were looking for a church. And we visited several, many churches. If you are in that search mode, my heart breaks for you. I did not enjoy that at all. Part of the reason I didn't enjoy it was this very point. We went one place, and we went there once, not one single mention of Christ. Not one single mention. So I thought, well, maybe I missed it. We went back a second time. Not one single mention of Jesus Christ. Two weeks in a row. Uh, obviously, we're not there. <laughs> but I can't imagine going to a place where the person who has defined my life is never talked about. Think about the, the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament, the Gospels, who do they talk about? Jesus Christ. Acts. What does Acts do? Acts tells us how Christ interacts with the church. Think about the epistles. The epistles are written explaining to us and commenting on the life of Christ. Then we get to the the book of Revelation and it's revealing all about Christ. So imagine coming to a place Sunday after Sunday and never hearing about the person that is the foundation to our lives. One of the things that makes the church lovable is the foundation of Christ. Remember when Jesus asked his disciples, he said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said, well, they say you're John the Baptist. They say that you're Elijah. They say that you're Jeremiah or you're one of the prophets. And Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately, what does he say? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. (laughs) And Jesus said, that's what I'm going to build the church on. That reality. That Christ is the Son of God, the living Christ. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now, I will say this uh, again. In the context, it's talking about the church and the teachings of the church. But the application is about all believers. So, not only does the church need to have the foundation of Jesus Christ, but also in your own life, you need to have Jesus Christ as the foundation. He is the one upon whom we build. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he's talked about as the cornerstone. Remember, he's, he's rejected by man, but he was accepted by God as the, the chief cornerstone. And upon that cornerstone, everything else is built. Jesus is the Christ. He is the living God. 
So we have to ask ourselves the question, well, what difference does that make? What difference does that make? Well, the foundation makes all the difference in the world. I have a friend who pastors a church in Calvary, in Covington, Kentucky. It's called Calvary Baptist Church. And when they were building their sanctuary, it was taking forever to get built. So the pastor who decided to go out to the contractor and say, listen, is there any way we can speed this thing up? And the contractor gave the pastor a great lesson about life. He looked at him and he said, listen, pastor. He said, if we don't go down deep, we can't go up high. <laughs> it takes time to build the foundation. And so the foundation, once it's built, then we begin to have things. Now, the foundation allows for us to have a certain shape, right? The foundation determines the shape. Now, think about your life and the church. The shape that it takes is Jesus Christ, modeling him, demonstrating him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me. Wait a minute, Paul. Isn't that a little bit off? Paul then goes on to say, as I am a follower of Christ, (laughs) right? Follow me because I follow Christ. And so there is this sense where the shape of the church, the shape of our lives is determined by the foundation that Jesus Christ lays. The second thing that the foundation gives to us is size, right? Determines size. You can't go down, if you don't go down deep, you can't go up high. You can't have size. Now think about the church. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world. (laughs) Imagine that. The size of the church is the world. Why? Because of the love of Jesus Christ that we're able to share and extend to others. The size of your family, the size of your relationships are determined by your relationship with Jesus Christ and an understanding of the love that he has for you. So if you have the love of Christ in your heart, then the size of your reach is broad because he loves the world. Also, when you talk about foundation, it determines the strength, doesn't it? You hear about houses that are built in certain areas of the country because of earthquakes or typhoons or those, and they have the foundation is just different. It's able to to withstand that. Uh, Your foundation determines the strength. In Psalm 19, it says this. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Even the Apostle Paul, when he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he calls Christ the rock. (laughs) So the foundation of Jesus Christ determines the shape, the size, and the strength of the church. And remember, in context... It's the church and it's teaching. But in application, it's my life and your life. How are you building? Uh, We'll get to that in just a moment. Do you have the foundation of Jesus Christ? Do you have the foundation of who Christ is? There was a hymn writer. His name was Edward Mote. And he was different than most hymn writers because he, he grew up in a home with a mom and dad who ran a pub. He had no theological training. Instead, he went to church one time as a 15-year-old boy and came to Christ. And then he was apprenticed out to a cabinet maker, and he became an excellent cabinet maker, and that's how he made his career until finally he submitted himself to becoming a pastor. 
And he wrote a hymn, and the hymn goes like this, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Is Jesus Christ the foundation of your church, of your life, of your marriage? Jesus Christ is the foundation. Uh, Someone said this, many preachers are building their ministries on the dry bones of unconverted church members. They plaster over their feeble walls with whitewash of of creative marketing, self-help, and entertainment. They are like a doctor who puts a band-aid on a scrape or ignores the bullet hole. You don't want to go to that church. You want to go to the church where Jesus Christ is the foundation. I love a church whose foundation is Christ. Please notice, if you would, the second essential for a lovable church. We go back to verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 9 it says this, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Uh, The second essential is that the builders are Christ followers. The builders are Christ followers. We are the instruments, Christ is the master, right? Now we'll explain that in just a moment. But notice what happens in verse 3. He says this three times. God, right? He says, God, fellow workers, God's field, God's building. Pause and allow that to sink in. If you need affirmation of the work you are doing and its importance, God's building, God's field, God's fellow laborers. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the worker, the building, and the field part, that we forget that this is all a part of what God wants us to do. One of the things I love about Grace Chapel is business tree. I love the fact that where I am, where I am serving, counts. At work on purpose, I go to work, and that's purposeful. Purposeful isn't just being in this place right now. Purposeful is being God's builder somewhere else. God says to us in this passage, all is of God and all belongs to God. What a marvelous thing to be a part of that. For we are God's fellow workers. This statement is is in striking fashion demonstrating the dignity of what it is that we do. It doesn't matter what your job is. Your being, your person, is of God. You are His instrument, His tool being used in the world. What a marvelous reminder we are. Uh, remember, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your Body, God is the major partner in this enterprise. We are God's fellow workers, fellow laborers. Now, let me illustrate with John chapter 11. 
John chapter 11 was the story of Lazarus, right? And in the story of Lazarus, Jesus shows up and both Mary and Martha say, if you had been here, he would not be dead. Welcome, Jesus. And Jesus wept, remember? Jesus was so moved by what was happening there. Then he goes to where Lazarus was. And do you remember the instructions? You, meaning people, roll the stone away. You, meaning the people, unwrap Lazarus. So there was a part that the people had in this marvelous miracle, right? They did their part. They could move the stone. They could unwrap Lazarus. Who is the only one that can bring life? God is. And so that's the part that Jesus did. That's how it is in life. When we are doing our part, God does his part. We are partners in this. Think about that for just a moment. Consider whatever it is that you are doing, you do to your best, and God does to his best. So, like Lazarus, we are a part of something marvelous. We are a part of something wonderful. He says, you are God's field. That doesn't fit today with our analogy of building. But he talks about the field earlier in the passage. Uh, It's talking about tilled soil. So you are God's field producing something. We go back to God's building. God is the great architect. Whenever you wonder about your design, read Psalm 139. And find out about how you are made. How it was a collaborative, deliberative effort to create you and to make you. You are God's building. We work under him and carry out the plans of God the architect. We are doing what he wants. The building in which God is at work, that's us. And then we build with others. He combines these words together that use like a house, building. He wants us to understand that God sees and cares what we do in the part of the building wherever we are. Wherever we are building, whatever we're doing, wherever he's working in us, he's intimately and very interested in what we're doing. The first house that my wife and I moved into, uh, the bathroom was a mess. It was the tiles and things were crumbling off. And so my son, who was three at the time, the two of us took on the job of renovating the bathroom. Uh, my wife has pictures, my, when my son was three, of, he's got these uh, goggles on with a baseball, Red's baseball hat on, so if anything falls, he won't crack his skull. And he's just wailing away with this plastic hammer, and I'm wailing away with an even bigger hammer. I had never done anything, really, uh, to count construction-wise. But I'm in there working as hard as I can, doing what I could. And then every couple of hours, two guys from the church that we went to, would show up. They were master carpenters and experienced plumbers, and they would show up and they would oversee and correct and fix the things that we had done so that by the end of the day, there was not only a completed bathroom, but a smile on my wife's face. That's the idea, isn't it? We do what we can, and God, the the master builder, is overseeing and making sure that we're going to be okay. We're going to get this done. It's going to be done correctly. Jesus is building the church and we are available to help. Jesus is building your life and we are there to work on it with him. I walked into a church one time. 
I knew the pastor. And I said to him, I said, so this is your church? And he says, no, it's not my church. He says, it's God's church. I just work here. (laughs) We are God's soldiers. We are available as weapons. We are available as tools. Whether we need to fight for him, whether we need to build for him, we are his. The question is always, what can God do through me? I don't want to offend anybody, but sometimes I I get a little nervous with things. I had a student that was talking to me about letting go and letting God. And I get a little nervous. I know that's kind of an old saying, and they were using it a little differently. I'm not a huge fan of that, because we're in this with him. So what are we letting go of? We're letting go of our pride. We're letting go of our, our own ideas. I kind of get that. But remember, God is using us. God is wants us. He wants to take part of what we're doing. And so we need to engage with him and work with him to accomplish what he has in mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at what it says in verse 10. It says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Paul knew his, his position and his abilities. And we know our position and our abilities. And so that we don't get too carried away with it, notice what Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me. Uh, you, you see, I am just a part of this. Paul says, in me, I have nothing. Remember later on in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. According to the grace. So this keeps us from getting puffed up and to think we're too important. We're not. We're only who we are and what we are because of the grace that God has given to us. And Paul says, I am the master builder. He said he, 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 he says, I'm the master builder, and he establishes himself as the, the primary pastor and leader of Corinth in the context. Because remember, Corinth is all splintered. It's all split off. And Paul says, okay, wait a minute. I am the primary guy here, and I have laid a foundation. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. And because that foundation is laid, all you need to do is add on to that. And Paul is not saying that arrogantly. Paul is saying that, So that everyone understands that we're on the same page here. We're together on this. He says that he is the master builder. Factions in the church are not good. We need to be united. Paul uses the word here, master builder. He talks about himself being a skilled or a very wise master builder. And Paul is not just the architect not just the, the brains behind it, but he was also the foreman and one of the workers. In, first, in Acts chapter 18, Paul was down there working with the people in Corinth for 18 months, laying the foundation of Jesus Christ. And upon that foundation, he now says, others can build. So at Grace Chapel, Jeff is the master builder, right? Jeff is the primary guy. The rest of us get to build on the foundation that he has laid. And so we are his uh, associates or working with him, and we are doing what Jesus Christ wants. Paul says, let each take care how he builds upon it. The right foundation is there, so those who add on need to be careful. Nothing needs to be torn up. This is how it works for me. My phone will buzz, and I will look, and it's a text from Jeff. Jeff puts a date in the text and says, I'll call you. So then he calls me 
And uh, we talk, and he says, this is what I have in mind, and this is what we're doing. Can you do that? I said, sure. He does not send me a transcript. He does not send me bullet points. Instead, what he does is he says, you go and share what the Word of God and the Spirit of God lays on your heart. And then I am careful to build upon his foundation. One of the greatest things for me is when Jeff says, will you preach for me? The greatest thing is I don't have to go, oh man, oh, now I've got to undo what Jeff did. You know, he has said so many things. (laughs) Now I've got to spend the first five minutes explaining what is really right. (laughs) I never have to do that. Why? Because he is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And he is the master builder that has pointed us all to serve Christ And so when we build, we are carefully building upon the foundation that he has laid. I have said this to Jeff, and and I hope that you understand what I'm saying, but he is very gracious with his pulpit. He is very gracious for us to be able to, to listen to voices like Kevin and David and Andy and Ron and all these guys, Chuck and, and, and even Kim and then Deb and Jen. The voices that Jeff allows us to hear. That's a gift. That's a gift. Uh, Jeff has his hand on things, but it is a very loose grip. He knows this is God's place. And as a result, he shares. It's a marvelous thing. I mean, I, I, I've been a part of churches and known pastors, and they preach 52 weeks out of the year. And if they don't preach all 52 Sundays, the Sundays they are preaching, they're telling you why the other guy was wrong. So we are here to lay on that foundation. Uh, This is all about individual responsibility. Whether it's the church or whether it's our own lives, we are responsible for building, for adding on. Look at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 3. He says, now if anyone build on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Uh, This is the building blocks. These are the building blocks, right? Uh, There's one foundation, Jesus Christ. But notice there are many materials that are used to build churches. There are many materials. Now, I think what what this helps us to do is understand why there are so many different churches. There are different types of churches, you know, different looks of churches. Some churches are building gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. And so they have a different look. That's why there is a variety of different churches and a variety of different looks. But he is basically telling us there are two classes of material. There are, there are valuable materials and worthless materials. I think you get which is which, right? There are permanent versus temporary. Gold, silver, precious stone, permanent. Wood, hay, stubble, burns up. Permanent versus temporary. Beautiful versus ordinary. Valuable versus cheap. Hard to obtain versus easy to obtain. Best service, poor effort. You see that. So you have, as an individual, you take the responsibility of how you're going to build on the foundation that has been laid. Are you going to have a supreme sacrifice, gold, silver, precious stone, or kind of a worthless effort, wood, hay, stubble? Your responsibility. It's perishable versus imperishable. Perishable is cheap in contrast to the valuable. What are you building with? What are you building with? Uh, Isn't it obvious a bouquet of wood, hay, and stubble? Not nearly as nice as gold, silver, and precious stone. Valentine's Day is coming up. I've got some stubble. Honey, I love you. (laughs) 
I think it's fairly obvious, a durable palace being built or a mud hut that's going to fall. What are you building? You have the responsibility. How do you do the work for the Lord? How do you do the work for the Lord? Do you do it with gold, silver, precious stone? Or do you do it with wood, hay, and stubble? Valuable materials are used by the workman who chooses based upon his understanding of the foundation. Jesus Christ is the foundation. So what do we build onto that? Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. I think it's fairly obvious. If you look again, it says, now if anyone builds on the foundation, the foundation is there. Worthless materials, valuable materials. What are you using? The Bible helps us to understand that when we talk about these building things, he's trying to help us to understand that your motivation for service is very important. So when you are doing what you're doing, are you motivated because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you? Are you motivated because people are going to notice me, so I better be there? Also, I think that in Scripture it talks about your conduct. You know, am I motivated to live my life like Jesus Christ and demonstrate him to others? Am I motivated by that? That's gold. That's silver. Those are the precious stones. Or am I dreading life and I don't want to mess with people. I just care about myself and I'm first. Wood, hay, stubble. Where am I? What am I doing? How am I working? How am I getting this done? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? When I was trying to think this through, I was trying to think of a gold parenting moment. Right? A gold parenting moment is like if you've gone to uh, a t-ball game. That's a gold parenting moment. Have you ever been to a t-ball game? The only people that are there are parents. Nobody's selling tickets to a t-ball game. So if you're a parent and go to a t-ball game, that's gold. Because you are sacrificing something. Then I thought about a parenting moment. I thought, sometimes the, the look of it may not be such that it's gold, silver, and precious. But in my heart, I know that it really is. So I tried to think of a time with my sons. I have two sons. God didn't trust me with them together. He gave me one at a time. I had one for 12 years. He left. And then I had the other one for 12 years. And then he left. You know, It was kind of like that. But uh, I, I remember being so tired sometimes. Because you know how energetic they are. And I, I remember being so tired that I invented a game. And the game was try to get dad off the bed. And so I would lay on the bed and then they would try to get me off the bed. Well, you know, they're, they could hardly reach across the bed because the rule was you had to have one foot on the ground. And so they could hardly reach me, let alone get up on the bed and roll me off. And I look back on that and I think, you know what? My heart was right. <laughs> even though I didn't really show a lot. You can weigh it out, right? You can evaluate in your own life gold, silver, precious stone versus wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, you know what it's like. And, and when we, we start thinking about those things, we, we start thinking and start understanding that what Paul's whole attitude here is we're, we're, we're doing something for God. We're making ourselves available for God to use us, to work with us. Uh, Paul says, don't worry about men. 
Because that was happening in Corinth, right? They were worried about what men thought about themselves and their work. Paul says, don't worry about man. Man's judgment, judgment means nothing. Because there comes a day when God is going to come and he's going to reveal the purposes. He's going to reveal everything. So he says, don't worry about men. And he says, don't make it this kind of a mutual admiration society where, you know, we, we find a group of people that love us and think we're wonderful, when in reality all they're doing is acting as an echo, echo chamber to your bad behavior. Paul says, don't make it that. Instead, keep in mind, your foundation is Jesus Christ, and you as a Christ follower are building upon that foundation. There is a great sense of availability that Jesus wants us to to be a, a part of. Jesus wants to work in and through us to accomplish the building of the church. I love the church because the foundation is Jesus Christ. I love the church because the church allows me, a Christ follower, to be a builder in the church. I'm a, I'm a school teacher. That's what I. That's my my main uh, way of making money. But also because I'm a school teacher, I usually have a summer job. And um, one of my summer jobs, I worked construction. I did it for two summers. Don't get excited, okay? Uh, I was the guy that carried everything, all right? So the contractor said, well, we can save on offloading the shingles on the roof. We'll just have Baker carry them up. So I would carry the shingles up. Oh, we don't need to deliver the drywall to the site. We'll have Baker unload and haul drywall. Well, we don't need a post hole digger. We got Baker. He's got a shovel, doesn't he? So that was my level of expertise. I was the hauler, the shoveler. I was that guy. In fact, I wasn't allowed to cut. You know, like use a saw? No way. Couldn't afford the wood, right? I mean, if I make a bad cut. Also, I wasn't allowed to hit any finished nail. Because I made half moons or the one guy called them chicken tracks, right? So, listen, if you have a nail that needs to be pounded, and I, I can do that, but no finished nails. So that was my level of expertise. And we had a guy on the crew, his name was Don, and Don was a master carpenter. I'm not kidding. I mean, he could look at something and tell you, oh, that's three and an eighth, and you would cut it, and that would be three and an eighth. It was amazing. The guy was absolutely marvelous. And one day, we were all standing around. There were about five of us on the crew that day. We were standing around, and Don needed someone to go with him to work on a job. I immediately started walking away because I knew he wasn't taking me. But then he said, Drew, I want you to go with me. And I go, you're kidding me, right? So we get in the car and we're driving in the car. And I said, why did you pick me? I said, these other guys are way better than me. And he goes, because you always show up and are available. It's not much, but it's something. This morning with Jesus Christ looking to you, please say to him, I am available to build on the foundation that you have laid in your son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you that we can open it and share it and learn from it. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your spirit to help us to understand the words of your scripture. We commit ourselves to being those who add on and build the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.